You know, I was, uh, I was a pre-med major when I first went to college. I, I felt called to the mission field, felt called to be a missionary doctor, and so I thought, well, first thing I'm going to do is pursue medicine. I was a microbiology major. Then partway through, I really felt like I was off track and missing things, so I, I transferred to Bible college. And when I did, I went to Southern California College in California, Southern California. Now it's called Vanguard University. They got bigger and better and all that, and when I went, I found out something, and those of you who have been to Bible college or maybe a smaller college like that, you notice you get there, and there's already a community there, but I was coming in part way. So I came in as a junior, there were people there, and I mean, I got to know people, I was an RA, I did some things, and then I really, after being an RA that first, uh, my first year there, I, for my senior year, I thought, man, I really want to serve God in, in a meaningful way, and I went to my residence director, and I said, I'd love to be an RA again, because if you're not familiar with that term, it's a residence director, you kind of get to mother the guys on your floor, <laughs> got to help them with things, help them clean the rooms clean. If there's issues, you kind of take care of them, conflict resolution, those kind of things. It was a great, great opportunity to, to, to really minister in college to your peers. And uh, my residence director said, why don't you run for ASB president? I remember sitting there and thinking, me? I, I didn't see that in me. I didn't see, uh, I'm new kind of here still. I felt new and, and I, I did. And it was such a weird deal because I, I, I won the election, and then w- part of the thing that we did is we would go to churches and promote the college. I can't tell you how many times I'd walk into a church, and the first thing they would ask is, was your father a pastor? I'd say, no. And they'd say, well, how did you? Well, it, it seemed like every time they'd ask me questions, they'd say, well, is he this? Is he this? And say, no. It was almost as if I didn't belong in that position because, do, do you hear what I'm saying? I started to wonder, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before, but I started to question my purpose or maybe that I wasn't worthy or it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And it's funny how those kind of things, those feelings can kind of nag you and follow you. It's really weird. I, years later, I, I, was a, uh, uh, I was youth pastor in my home church, my first ministry position. That is a surreal experience. To be pastoring around and with people who I used to pull weeds in their yard or maybe wash their car or in some cases babysit their kids. And remember the very first time as a young minister that the pastor had all the ministers come up front. You've seen that done. We do that here. And all the ministers come up front. And I remember I was standing right over here in our church, similar layout to this. I remember standing right over here. And I remember standing there and thinking, nobody's going to come to my line. Why would they come to my line? I mean, I'm new. I mean, they would go to somebody who could pray better, somebody who really has done this. They know what they're doing, right? To a real pastor. You have these doubts. I mean, who, who am I? Am I? Do I really have a purpose here that I'll never forget? Man, it's choking me up just thinking about it. You know who came to my line first? My dad. And I remember him walking up, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to pray for my dad. And he told me some things he was struggling with, which I had no idea about, and they weren't like super personal, but it was things I didn't even know. And I remember thinking, wow. <laughs> Another weird experience. Years later, been a youth pastor for a long time. In fact, I was working at a church in the L.A. area, and we had such a great uh, relationship with our schools and a community of youth workers who worked together. And we actually had a, a, a Bible study on every high school campus. And I personally worked with like three of them. One school I'd worked with so long, years that they actually gave me a key to the gates. <laughs> Isn't that weird? 
So one day, I remember I, I ridden my Harley to the, to the Bible study. Now, we didn't do the Bible studies. We facilitated it. Kids did them. But we trained them and worked with them. And so I, I ridden to the, to the school that day. So I was carrying my helmet. I had a leather jacket on. And I used my key. And I didn't often do this, but I did. I was kind of running late, so I wanted to get in there. And then as I'm walking around a corner, they had a new security guard. He didn't know who I was. And if you can imagine, I didn't look like I belonged there. For sure, I didn't look like a student. It was the middle of the day. I couldn't have been a teacher just showing up. And, and he was really freaked out, and he just stopped me really quick. And he had me stand against the wall, <laughs> and he's frisking me, and he's patting me down. And the whole time, I'm trying to tell him, I belong here. I, you know, and he goes, well, you don't look like any pastor I've ever seen before. And, you know, on and on. <laughs> and I got to thinking, yeah, he's right, actually. And you start having, like, yeah, maybe you're right, you know. It's weird how that works, isn't it? And that happens in all of our lives at t- from time to time where you start to wonder, is this really my purpose? Or maybe for you it might be a disappointment or something that's really kind of put you off and, and you think, man, is this who I am or I'm supposed to be? Or maybe you just don't feel as important as you thought you should be or you want to be. Or maybe there's other people who get recognized or, su- or feel success and you think, I- I've worked just as hard and it's not happening. Maybe I'm just not that good. Or maybe... Maybe I'm not that important. Maybe, maybe you've had a failed relationship or a failed job, and you just start to doubt whether you matter to anybody, even God. Does he know where you are? Maybe you've asked that. God, do you know what I'm walking through? Do you know what's happening in my life? I've tried, and it's not working. Maybe you start to feel just insignificant. Maybe you've compared yourself to other people. I remember when that show, American Idol, came on. Do you guys remember the first time? I remember thinking, wow, they're putting it right out there. They're calling it what it really is. We do idolize these people. And these people, they, I mean, who are they really? I mean, they got lucky. They've got some talent. But really, I mean, are they, do they have the character we want to follow? Maybe. But you would never know because that's not why they're being famous. It's just, it's just a weird concept, but it plays with our head. And it makes us think that that's important rather than what's really important. I find that maybe sometimes we just are so desperate for significance or we want to get noticed. We want someone to care about us, where we are. I'm here to tell you today that you are important. Not only are you important, but we serve a God who thinks, not that just you're important, but you're very, very important. You're especially important especially important, every single one, every single one. We're calling this today, God Hears a Who, because he does hear a who. And maybe you've heard of this movie. Anybody? Maybe you heard of the book. I mean, it's old. It really, I, I was kind of surprised because I remember reading the book when I was a kid or having it read to me even. It came out, Dr. Seuss wrote this book in 1954. I didn't realize it was quite that long ago. So maybe you even read it to your kids there's been two movies. There was a, the cartoon special in 1970, and then, of course, the movie in 2008 with Jim Carrey. And Maybe you've seen it. If not, let me just give you a quick synopsis of it. It goes like this. There's Horton. He's a sweet, bumbling elephant, and as he's bumbling through his life, he hears a who on a speck. It's on this fluffy little flower thing, and it's floating, and he starts communicating with them. And then uh, the people around him, they don't believe him, and they think he's crazy, and they want to destroy it. Remember this? 
And then he, they take it from me, and then he fights to save it. He fights to save it because it's important. And he says this line, this, this iconic line. Do you remember it? What does he say? Every, really? You don't remember? Every person's a person, no matter how small. Do you remember? He's saying there's value in every single one, no matter how tiny and tiny, tiny insignificant. Well, that wasn't probably a, I probably didn't do justice to the whole movie. And this clip I'm going to show you really won't either because I really, I really diced it up so we could just show you the basics. But take a look. Creators of Ice Age bring you the world of Dr. Zeus as you've never seen it before. Hello? I don't exactly know how to tell you this, but you're living on a speck. Seriously, who is this? Is this Bert from accounting? Horton the elephant. There are people on this speck. (laughs) Absurd. They have a mayor who has 96 daughters and one son named Jojo who all share a bathroom. Whatever that is. Destroyed. I will devour Clover. (laughs) Then I regurgitate it. Then I'm gonna devour it second time. So two times devour. Here's where they've taken it from him. Not this time, guys. I've got you now, elephant. No, no, no! Clover by Clover, he found that the one that he sought for was just all day he looked, looked on and on, until his hope was almost gone. No, 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 please, no! Oh, this isn't fair! But wait, could this one be the one? Was all his searching finally done? Ah, yes, for this was the hour. Horton had found on the three millionth flower. Mayor! Mayor! I found you! Even though you can't hear or see them at all, a person's a person, no matter how small. <laughs> person is a person, no matter how small. Pastor mentioned it is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and some of you may remember when President Ronald Reagan proclaimed this Sunday back in 1984. It's the 42nd anniversary of Roe versus Wade, which the Supreme Court issued a ruling which found the right to abortion in the privacy clause of the U.S. Constitution. Every life matters to God. Every life, no matter how big, how small. Every life. Including your life. Every life. I think some of us, sometimes we struggle because we, we want our life to matter, but you wonder, does it really matter? But God does hear a who, and today the who is you. He hears you right where you are, every single one of you. You may feel alone, and maybe not right now, but maybe at home. 
Maybe when you're trying to go to sleep, maybe you feel small or maybe you do feel important. Some of you may feel like a failure. Some of you may feel invisible or insignificant or just worn out and tired like you do it all. Or maybe you're a success. Or maybe all you can think about is regrets and unrealized dreams. Maybe some of you feel like you're too young and nobody values you yet. Or maybe that you're too old and it's too late. Or maybe you're broke. Here's what I want you to hear today. That he's created every one of us with a purpose. Here's an important thing. Those purposes don't end with one event. It's a, it's a process. It goes on and on. His purposes for you go on and on. So whether you've maybe failed or maybe dropped the ball somewhere, the truth is he doesn't leave it like that. He has a purpose for you now that goes from now and into the future. It never ends with him. It's not like that. I want to show you a couple of scriptures that just blow me away. When I think about the fact that he cares about every one of us and in a very, very special way. First thing I want us to think about for a second is he did create you as you are. In our world today, we, we hold up these idols, not necessarily American idol, but maybe, maybe images in a magazine or maybe an idea of what success is. And maybe you at times have measured yourself against that and felt like you couldn't compete or you didn't measure up. But the fact is, God did make you as you are. And in fairness, you may not be living the best version of you, the one that he really wants you to live, but he did make you as you are. He did make you as you are. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is is uh, this Psalm 139. I want us to take a look at it for a second. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. I read that and I think, God, I see that in a lot of people, but I don't always see it in me. I feel like one of my missions today is to convince every one of you that this scripture is for you. It's for you. You are who David was talking about here. You. He created you. He knew who you were before you were born. Before you were even thought of. Before your parents knew you were here. He created you. And he had a purpose for you. And he designed you as you. Special. Special creation. I promise there are people here who don't feel that special, but you are He made you special. He created you that way. I've heard people say, and and I don't don't think we said this, you know, years ago, but I've heard people say I was kind of a, a mistake. Some of us remember when pregnancies weren't planned and people just got pregnant and their families grew. And but in today's day, it seems like you hear once in a while, maybe an oops baby or or maybe someone's a product of a one-night stand or something like that, I want you to know that God knew you too. He knew you, and he planned you, and he created you with special things to accomplish, with special character, special qualities, 
and a special place for you to work and for you to be and for you to flourish. That's what he does. That's who he is. I love uh, Jeremiah's call to ministry. This is, we call him the weeping prophet. And he says here, God says to him, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And I know you might read that and you think, well, God didn't call me to be a prophet. You know what? That's true. But the point is, he did call you to something. Not everybody needs to be a prophet. We don't really need to talk to them. Can you imagine if everybody was a prophet? My goodness. Or everybody was a preacher. I mean, just like Paul says, if everybody was an eye, where would the hearing be? Of course, everybody has a part. Everybody has a part. He does have a purpose for every one of you. There was a song that came out not too long ago by Israel Houghton that said, is it true that you are thinking of me? Remember that? That you hear me when I call? I, I remember the first time I heard that song. I can see where I was standing because it, it just arrested my mind so heavily. And I thought, what? God has time to think about me? I mean, he's busy. He's got wars. He's got people dying. He's got people crying. And he thinks about me? Me? Why me? I mean, I, he does. You're on his mind. I think a lot of times, you know, as we try to understand God, we, we, we try to give him human qualities because that's how best as humans we understand other things. I mean, that's why you, your dog raises his eyebrow and you think he's actually thinking something and he's just, he's not, all right? <laughs> Sorry. But that's how we do. And we do that with God. And unfortunately, sometimes we actually put our limitations on him too. He's not limited. He is God. The very definition of God is he's not limited. So he can actually be thinking of each one of us at the same time. We can't do that. It even hurts my brain to say that. But he can do it. Not only does he do it, but he is thinking of you, and he's doing it because you're special to him. Look at, look at this in the book of Psalms. When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. It, it just, it just, I love it. It just amazes me. But that, I'm not done there. <laughs> you know, we live in a culture today where it seems like a lot of people, they don't, uh, they don't sing. Have you noticed that? Now, I live in a house with two girls who are really into musicals, so we get a lot of singing, a lot. And one of my daughters, my youngest, Lily, she sings from morning till night. I mean, she wakes up singing a lot of times. It's, it's wonderful. But in past cultures, singing was part of their culture. They would sing about great warriors. They would sing about, you know, great things. But here's something that I, I don't know if I read this in Scripture until maybe five years ago. Did you know that God sings over you? He does. He's so excited about you that he sings over you. It amazes me. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a savior. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest, and in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. Thank you, Jesus. He will exult over you with singing. I don't consider myself someone to be sang over, but I'm excited that he does. The thought that he cares that much about me and he's excited about me you know, it kind of changes things. I know he loves me. I know that he wanted a relationship with me so that when I sinned and separated myself from relationship with him, that that sin had to be paid for, and he was willing to give his son to bridge that gap 
and his son died for me so that we could have relationship. I get all that, and I love that he loves me. You know what I didn't get? That he likes me. He likes me. He likes me. He likes you. He likes you. He, li- he, lo- he created you the way you are, and he likes how you are. He wants a relationship with you, one, one that will last from now into eternity and go on and on and on forever. That's what he wants with you. He sings over you. That's what he does. This is an old phrase, which I love, came right out of Scripture. You're the apple of his eye. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You're that special to God. You're that special to him. And you know what? I mentioned before that you have a purpose, and, and you've probably heard this said before that God has a plan for your life, and he does. And like I said, those plans don't end like with one event. Those are plans that go on and on. You know, the fairy tales tell us, you know, and they live happily ever after like the book is done. And you know, that's not how it goes, right? You don't get married and, and you know, then it's it. I mean, you have a life, and he has a purpose for that life. But guess what? He's not the only one that has a purpose for your life. The enemy of our souls has a purpose for your life. His purpose for your life is horrible. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God has come to give you life and to, live it, to give it more abundantly. Here's the sad part about it, though, is the enemy does have a plan for you, and his plan is to destroy you. His plan is to make everything that you care about be sour and spoiled and horrible. His plan is to take your joy, to take your success. His plan is to crush your dreams His plan is for you to be disappointed and disillusioned and to walk through life sad. And then ultimately, I want you to hear this. He wants to take your life before you even die. Did you hear me? He wants to take your life before you even die. Most people walk through the world and they're not really living. They're just chasing one thing after the other. The next thing that they think will satisfy. And never, they ever, never, ever reach the point where they know the God who created them and can satisfy them the most, where they can enjoy life the most. That's the enemy's goal for you. He wants to destroy everything. A person is a person, no matter how small. And the purpose God has planned for you is an important purpose for you, no matter how small. How do you find what that is? How do you find where it is that he wants you to be? He has that plan and purpose for you. How do you find that? Where do you go for that? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying and that's great, but I don't know how to change how I feel right now. Guess what? I can help you with that. More importantly, God can help you with that. He's the one who restores. I am so grateful that the world isn't set up so that like, we get one shot at things. <laughs> the world would be pretty small if it was, wouldn't it? Like you just get one chance and then you're done. It doesn't work that way. What he did was, the fact is, as you as you live through your life and maybe you maybe you make a mistake, or maybe you maybe you failed in some area, or whatever the case may be, he can take what you've done, and again, remember, he's God, he's not us, he doesn't have our limitations. He can take whatever that is and he can weave it into the most beautiful thing that you could have ever, ever imagined. He does that for us. He's the God of second and third and fourth and fifth and 50th chances. That's who he is. He forgives and then he restores. That's who he is. Maybe as you look back in your life, you've got some regrets or things you did and you think, 
He can never do that. He can never forgive that. Guess what? He can, and he does, and he wants to. As badly as you want your life to have significance and have satisfaction, he wants it more. That's what he created you for. He created you to live fully alive, to have a relationship with him that is, is, is eminently satisfying and one that, that drives you into complete happiness at all times. Maybe there was a point in your life where you didn't value life like you should, either your own or, or somebody else's. Guess what? He's even got an answer for that. We, we have a ministry that we cooperate with called If Not For Grace, and Mindy and Craig Beyer work in that ministry. It's an amazing ministry. This specific ministry, what it does is it, it, it helps heal and restore the lives of, of men, women, families who've, who've maybe ended a pregnancy. And we've taken it a step further as a church because we want to uh, not only partner with them but help them some of our space back in our old kids' area, we've, we're in the middle of renovating it. It's, it's almost done in the next week or two. And they're going to actually office, uh, at least for a little while, out of our building here because we want to help them in their ministry, help heal, like I said, women, men, and families who've experienced that in their past. And if you want more information about that ministry, you can go online and, and check out this name, or we do have some brochures at the welcome desk too. But let's get back to us for a second here. Here's what I'd like to do with you. I would like you to shut your eyes for just a second, and I want to ask you a couple questions. The first thing I want to ask you is, maybe you've come in here today, and, and you felt like, it's too late for me. I'm too old, maybe. Or maybe you say, you're in a midlife situation and you're wondering about your purpose and has my life been worth it? Did it make a difference? Maybe you've been sitting here today. Maybe you've been out of church for a while or returning to church or your first time here or even in church and you've never thought about or maybe never been told that God loved you and even liked you. Maybe you're sitting here today and for the very first time you're thinking, if that's true then I would like a relationship. I want to know him. I want to know this God. If that's true, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. And in a minute, I'll give you an opportunity to respond. But with everybody's eyes closed for just a second, just in the privacy of the moment, if that's you, would you raise your hand? If for the first time you're thinking, you're considering, I would like a relationship with him, if that's true. Thank you for the hand. I see that. Anybody else? This is important enough. I'll wait just a minute. For the couple of you that raised your hand, everybody, if you wouldn't mind just keeping your eyes closed for a few more minutes. For those of you who raised your hand, let me explain this. It's, it's actually incredibly simple. Our God wants a relationship with you. The way that works is You tell him you want that relationship with him. You tell him, God, I know I've done things that have separated us in this relationship, done things wrong. I want you to forgive me for those things. I want you to come into my life, and I want you to make me new. And he will. And we're going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. For the rest of you in this room, I have just two more questions. The first one is this. Maybe you have been sitting here today, and you've been thinking, 
kind of lost purpose or lost focus on maybe who he was and how much he cared for me. Maybe you've made mistakes and you've thought, maybe you've been kind of angry even at him because you kind of blame some of it on him. I want you to know he's here to embrace you. And again, maybe you've come back to church, haven't been in church for a while, and, and maybe as you were listening today, you felt him saying, child, son, daughter, I want that relationship with you to be, be where it was. Maybe as you've listened today, you thought, you know what? You're right. He does love me. Is that you? Just raise your hand. The last thing is this. Would you all stand with me? I know for some of us, Church is a place to get ready for the week, to charge up and to feel like, feel like our life is going to go on for the rest of the week. That's a great thing. We want to give you an opportunity to come down for some prayer for that to happen. We're going to take a few minutes, and if you were one of the ones who raised their hand that, that wanted a new relationship with God or to deepen your relationship with God, I want to invite you to come as well. I'm going to have pastor and, and if our missionary would come as well and board members, and we want to pray with you for just a few minutes. If for any reason you would like us to pray with you, if, if you feel a need for healing, or if you just want to renew that relationship with him and have it go deeper, I want to invite you to come forward. So why don't you come right now if that's you.